Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi, we have got a really important topic we're talking about today, which is uh, particularly pertinent for kids right now. We're going to be talking about saying goodbye to mommy and daddy after they've left, and that's grief and loss for kids. And we've got a wonderful expert on the show today to talk about people, give some advice, tips, and things to help people get through. You want to introduce her, Hyde? Yes, our, our guest today is Alicia Alexander, and she actually wrote a book. She's written several books, but one of them was called Saying Goodbye to, to Daddy. Um, so she's also a licensed clinical social worker and a former member of the board of directors for the National Alliance for Grieving Children. She is the author of Four Resources for Grieving Children and was featured in the documentary Speaking Grief. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So great to have you on it in an important topic. You know, I know that you specialize in at-risk children and what do you consider in the grief and loss world to be children who are at risk? Well, it's ooh, good, great first question. Um, my definition of grief and at risk um, has changed definitely over the years. I think when I first came into the field 20 years ago, um, there was a real um, delineation around who was at risk. Those were kids that performed poorly in school, were behavior problems in school and in the communities and in homes. Um, and that, I think, expanded for me once I started thinking about grief as a correlation between, you know, what we were seeing in the classroom, in schools, in clubs and organizations. And um, grief has stayed at the forefront of my mind around what it means to be at risk. And I like to use the term that gets bandied about um, in terms of uh, communities of difference and in underserved populations, which is um, to think about kids as at promise, um, to you know, really try to engage lost histories and the things that kids are experiencing um, in their homes and in the societal um, narratives that um, put them at risk for not being all that they can be. So I think when we talk about like the impact that grief has on kids and um, within their, their kind of uh, natural um, developmental playgrounds and, and where they grow and do their work, you know, we're talking about how this stuff shows up at school. We're talking about how this shows up in their relationships and having grief as kind of a, a, a touch point has been really, um, I think, pivotal to how I know I relate to my clients, how I relate to working with organizations. Um, it's expanding our idea of grief and loss um, to go beyond a death, a physical death, but it encompasses change, how we manage, how we live change. 
Oh, wow. That, that's good, too. And it, is it different for a boy or a girl? Do you see any gender differences in how they handle grief? So I think that's a great question. I think, again, 20 years ago, um, when we had some really kind of narrow perspectives around um, gender identities, um, there were spaces that we could go to immediately and say, this is how this shows up in young people um, of the male persuasion, and this is how girls do it. Um, and I think there's a lot of great um, change and shifting that I think we're all having to make in order to give each other permission to grieve in the ways that we need to, in the ways that um, are uniquely us. So I think there are some stereotypical kind of gender normed spaces that get talked about, which is that young men um, show up in anger and are very um, concrete in their grief work, whereas young ladies, feminine um, oriented identities show up and are able to cry and are able to emote more freely. Um, I think that understanding still exists and persists, but I think that if we're going to be inclusive and really give each other permission around the work of grief and, and the journey of grief, we do need to broaden that perspective so that it includes all responses. It includes um, not so much a heteronormative space, but it gives permission for our young men to emote. It gives them somewhere else to go beyond anger. And it gives our young ladies um, a space to do their work, to own anger, mm. if you will, you know, and, to expand on that. Yeah. Do you see any difference of losing a mom as compared to losing a dad? And are there different challenges? So, you know, I think that the grief work around losing a parent um, is about um, attachment and about the ways that we anchor ourselves to um, who we are. So losing a parent is a pivotal developmental space um, and not one that I think anyone in the field takes lightly in terms of kind of a, a loss spectrum. Um, I like to think about um, all losses as absolute in terms of like, there's no comparison. So you can grieve a deep, deep space for a friend, for a pet, um, for a job, uh, an identity, as much as you can grieve for a person. So when we think about um, a parental loss, we're thinking about the ways that that parent um, engaged in that relationship, the conflicts that were a part of that relationship, um, the healing that's a part of that relationship, um, security and the attachment, um, how the family unit rallied around um, whatever the cause of death is or was. Um, there are lots of factors that go into, I think, any grief response. But um, parentally, um, it, it's just the acknowledgement that losing a parent is hard. Right. And, and Lucia, I worked with... Uh children at the New York Fire Department who lost parents, who lost fathers in the World Trade Center for 10 years. Right. And yes. what we found is that these dads were very involved in their kids' lives. The, the, their wives worked full-time. They only worked two 24s, so two days a week, and they were home with the kids full-time, the other five. And yes. so they were, they took a big parenting role with the children. 
So, you know, the, the relationship was fairly significant as far as the time spent. But like you said, there's a lot of factors that go into the relationship between a parent and the children. And the kids really, you know, obviously it's hard to lose a parent regardless of any situation. But in this situation, they were just used to having their dad home with them full time. Yes. Well, and I think that, you know, anytime, you know, because we talk a lot in communities of difference about abandonment and for parents grieving a parent that hasn't been around. And so there's a real space around um, grieving role. So, you know, even what comes up for divorce is, okay, here I am with the parent that's, you know, has primary custody. What do I do with these feelings? What do I do with Mother's Day? What do I do with Father's Day? What do I do with having to split my time, split my, almost your allegiance? All of those things come up. I think a parent death um, calls up some of those same spaces. There's the kind of like, this is the club you don't want to be in. And um, there's a, a lot of identity reorganization and realignment around what does it mean to be fatherless? What does it mean to be motherless? Um, and particularly in communities of difference, you know, there's a, there's a push towards um, a belief in a stereotype that, you know, families aren't intact and that there aren't fathers in the home and there aren't, um, you know, intact, really strong family bonds. And I think a grief that includes um, everybody is doing this deeply. We're connecting beyond roles. We're connecting um, to uh, almost who's left in a deep way. And anytime those bonds are interrupted or disrupted, um, it's significant. And it's a real um, realignment around who am I going to be in relationship to another? Uh, who am I going to be if I'm not someone's daughter, if I'm not someone's son? Um, what does it even mean to be that if you don't have a template for it? So that search, that journey around who am I now in the face of this loss is a real pivotal um, theme. So there can be a loss of identity. Absolutely. Actually. And like you said, a realignment of, okay, who am I now without my father? Who am I now without my mother? Who am I now Absolutely. without the person that raised me? Whoever that might be. Absolutely. Grandparents, um, uncles, aunts. Like you said, there's a lot of people that can, you can live with that can fill some of those roles that can die. Well, fill it, but um, never replace it. And right. I think that that's the work, right? Okay. Which is that we are learning um, how vulnerable we all are. Uh, around loss when it comes to, you know, continuing a bond or creating um, a, a new narrative for ourselves because grief requires so us to- children, Is that what children and teens need? Do they need to create it? I mean, how do you help them? What do they need? It sounds like a narrative, a new narrative is part of the healing process. So I'd like to start with um, parents telling the truth. Mm -hmm. about who our people are and um, I've couched this in a lot of different ways but what I land on and uh, in particular I'm living right now um, in my own home um, my daughter has just lost her father mm -hmm. and what I am leaning on heavily is what's the truth of our love story mm -hmm. um, what's the truth of um, the, the disconnects over the years 
Um, and how do I frame for her how amazing her father was and how free she is to love him, remember him, and honor him in whatever way feels good for her. And not having to worry about a response from me in the negative or in some way trying to edit or drive that narrative. And I think so many of us um, in, on the well-intentioned um, kind of focus, like railroad our kids' stories and our kids' love stories with their person. Um, and with a parental loss, I think it's really, really important to, to dial that back and to lean back so that you can hear the questions, you can hear the discrepancies, you can gently move in whatever that narrative is so that they get a real picture of who their parent was. Um, I love I this. It and also, I also love that you're giving them the space to grieve because what I've seen in their own way is sometimes there is almost a comp, I want, I want to say a competition about whose loss is worse. So, you know, I go back to that space of like, you know, grief isn't a competition because we're all going to be in the game, right? So like, there is a very real kind of awareness around. Um, I'm not so sure that anyone ever intended for us to get um, quantitative in it. You know, yeah. it's straight feeling. It's straight like this hurts. This mm. is huge. This is changing all of us. This is, this is unexpected, whatever the adjectives are for you. And just being able to sit in it, be in it, and companion people in it, I think is the response. I think it's so important to have people just walk with you in it. They don't have to muck in it. I mean, you know, if you've got little kids, come in and take care of them, take people shopping, you know, mow the lawn, whatever. But that's what I love about working with kids in this is they do it so much better than we do. It, it's pure, it's unadulterated, it's straight in the, I see that you need this hug. You know, there's no, you know, pretense around it. It's like, you know, here's this picture, you know, here's part of my cookie. You know, like there's, there's this just straight basic need around, I still want to connect even though we've both lost in this moment, even though I don't understand everything that's going on around me, I still just want to connect. And I think that is one of the amazing spaces that, you know, children's grief teaches us. And I think that if adults leaned into that template, we would all be so much better at this than we are. Well, and the other thing I see with the death of a parent is sometimes the spouse, get so upset that the child ends up having to take care of that person rather than have be, being able to have their own grief. Sure. Um, I always say that the kids are watching us. Um, so many times um, parents, caregivers um, come into a grief support space and are like, um, they seem fine. They're still playing. They're still doing kids stuff. They're still breaking rules. They're still all over the place. Their energy. And I always say to them, like, you know, okay, well, what were you expecting? And there is this expectation around, well, you know, I want them to sit under a blanket and cry just like I am. And I always, you know, take a look at the space of they are waiting on us to be done, to be okay enough to manage the 
the honesty, the authenticity of their grief. And so there is a caretaking space of this that sometimes happens where our kids see us being short-tempered, unhinged, having a bad day, being very emotional, and they will dial themselves back. It's, it's, a, it's a, I think, a childhood development miracle of how kids regulate themselves to us. So I think a parent that is looking at how to parent their grieving child there's a space around emoting and, and not hiding yourself away in your bedroom, but like you're sharing and communicating grief. You're giving your kids feeling words. You're creating a safe place for them to do the work with you and without you. Mm -hmm. And so that caretaking space, you know, becomes, you know, a secondary, not even a thought around um, how kids should be in the home. Um, there's a space for memory. There's a space for memory building. Um, there's a space for questions. Those are things that I think make parenting um, while grieving um, a deeper, richer experience and can also help your healing narrative as well. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for being on today. You're uh, just amazing. And I, I love the things yeah. you've been talking about. They're so uh, fresh and fantastic. Uh, do you have a website that people can go to? I do. It's tapestriesgrief.com. And just a quick shout out, um, we'll be doing a fall conference for the National Alliance for Grieving Children on November 6th. Um, and you can register at their website, childrengrieve.org. And it's been such a pleasure being with you all. Well, thank you so much. Uh, great information. Alicia, I love all that you did. And I want to give a shout out to one of, another book. I know you've written many, but it's called Tapestries, A Creative and Inclusive Approach to Grief Support for Youth and Communities. It is so timely right now. Thank you so much for all that you are doing, not only for children, but for their families. Thank you. Be well. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for joining us this day. And Heidi, I would like you to visit us at Open to Hope. And we always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.